We have hope. Hope that things can get better. And they will. You called it Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, people. Welcome to Rebels Season 2, The Lost Commanders, Episode 2 or 3, depending on how you want to count the opening double episode. We go around this merry-go-round season after season. Doesn't really matter. Um, <clears throat> this is the first, you know you know standalone episode get to sit back and relax a little bit there's ahsoka in the background and what's great is even the episodes where ahsoka isn't like a central character she gets things moving and has you know a magnetic awesome appearance early on like this one okay so now the you know the debate between Hera's enthusiasm and Kanan's resistance to joining the rebellion uh you know it is still happening here and what's great is okay so this was an episode before I saw the clone wars <clears throat> that was like a mood episode sometimes i liked it sometimes i didn't I really like the implied relationship between Ahsoka and the clones, but of course I hadn't seen the Clone Wars. I didn't realize the connection with the Rex and how close she was with the clones and what it meant, the sacrifice they made. And, you know, like they seem like, like assholes. uh, If you see this the first time without seeing Clone Wars. Um, but after watching Clone Wars and then this, there's so much meaning in in the relationships and the characters and the history and everything here. So, this this episode accomplishes tons of things. One, it continues Ahsoka's informal, indirect training of Kanan by trying to open his mind to things. Right, questions that need answering. That is a direct quote of, of Gandalf from Fellowship of the Ring. Dave Filoni is shameless in her being Gandalf and, and quoting and stealing stuff from Lord of the Rings. God bless him. Right, she says, trust him. You know, Ahsoka, uh, she never tries to put the fear of God into anyone, but if anyone can put the fear of God into Kaden, it's Ahsoka. And she's not going to tell him that they're clones because she knows he won't go. And this is a lesson he has to learn. And that's what's so great about the season is we've had a whole season of... I mean, look, they do a great job already in season one of Kanan realizing he has to learn from Ezra, but he's still the master and Ezra's still the Padawan. Now we have got that sort of three-way relationship we have in the Clone Wars, but instead of Obi-Wan at the top and then Anakin and then Ahsoka, we now have Ahsoka at the top and then Kanan and then Ezra, which is great. So Ahsoka is, you know, informally training both Kanan and Ezra. Ezra's, of course, much more receptive. This is Kanan having to deal with the legacy of the clones, and you cannot blame him when you read the backstory and you know about Order 66 for being horrified and not wanting to trust these guys at all, especially when one of them tries to betray them uh, to the Empire. Um, but he has to learn a lesson, that he's to start thinking outside the box. They need all the allies they can get. These clones, Rex in particular, but all of them end up being extremely valuable and putting themselves on the line and even sacrificing themselves late in the series to help this cause once they recruit them. 
But Ahsoka doesn't recruit them. Ahsoka sends them to recruit them, and especially Kanan. Ahsoka is a teacher, and Ahsoka has too much going on this season with Vader and other stuff as Fulcrum to 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 do this stuff. But she could have made time to see her buddy Rex. But she wants Kanan to have to deal with this, and while it almost backfires on them because one of the clones gets cold feet. Uh, these walkers are awesome. So this is amazing world building stuff. You know, watching this now. Not just having seen the Clone Wars a bunch and seeing Rebels a bunch and, and digesting the whole thing and the comics and the you know me getting more on board with the prequels and blah 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 blah. I just appreciate the slow burn world building. I mean, this is such a beautiful design of this very organic lived in Walker. Up oh, here, here are the clones. Does Kanan pull out the lightsaber immediately? I forget. Well-armed old geezers. We're looking for someone. So, yeah, it's the same guy um, who did the... Uh-oh. Who did all the Clone Voices and the Clone Wars. And the thing you realize when you watch the Clone Wars is, as fun as the Obi-Wan is, he's got some great arcs. Yeah, he fills up the lightsaber right away in the guns. Yeah. Oh, it's Order 66 all over again, except this time the Jedi's prepared. The standoff. Oh, this is great. But the thing you realize, the more you watch the Clone Wars is, other than Ahsoka, Anakin's great. You know, love Matt Lanter's more lovable Anakin, for sure. Obi-Wan's great. You know, Duchess Satine, Bo-Katan, Ventress, all the side characters, yada, 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 all awesome. But the most interesting arc is the mass of clones who are sacrificing themselves essentially as slaves, but they have such distinct personalities. And I remember watching this being like, these don't look like the clones in the vats or, you know, the ones we never see behind the armor in Revenge of the Sith and the end of Attack of the Clones. One of the many things Clone Wars addresses isn't just Anakin being cooler and more likable, isn't just introducing the amazing Ahsoka Tano, but her relationship with them and how human they become. And even though they don't question until the end, the couple question and take the microchip out, as we're going to hear, so as not to be full slaves and, and obey Order 66 with, against their will, uh, is that they develop, even before then, personalities, names, tattoos, haircuts, little quirks. And it's a very interesting study, you know, that's not explored enough even today except for Orphan Black. I mean, it's literally uh, the clones in the various Star Wars properties in Orphan Black about nature versus nurture. And in both cases, uh, you know, your environment and wanting to be different, even from people you know are genetically identical to you, lead to distinction and unique identities. And I remember seeing this and being like, how are these guys clones? But you watch the Clone Wars and you see the development. And some of the clones start... One of the cooler episodes late in the Clone Wars, episode five or, uh, season 5 or 6, is some of them start... De- uh, not deactivating, but... Um, uh, breaking down and going kind of nutso because the chips are kicking in before Order 66 and they don't know what to do about it. And you got to kind of put them down like a rabid animal. But Rex is the lead one, 
and Rex and Cody are like the two commanders. And what's brutal is, you know, <clears throat> so when I watched the Clone Wars, I hadn't watched uh, the prequels in quite a while. Certainly not close enough to learn any of the clones at the name. And you realize that the first clone to get the Order 66 order and immediately kill uh, one of the lead uh, Jedis from the Council, I can't remember if it's Plo Koon, is Cody. But you watch Clone Wars and Cody, like Rex, is like one of the lovable commanders that does everything Anakin and Ahsoka ask them. You know, they send them into battle, but the thing that makes it slightly okay is that the Jedi are always on the front line, especially Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan. They have a much better chance of surviving because they're super powerful Jedi. Nevertheless, it's not like they're ordering them from behind the lines. So everyone's more humanized, and Ahsoka in particular, she's like a commander as opposed to a general, but she gains unbelievable loyalty because of her, like, insane level of you know irrational confidence and courage and charging into battle and you never wanting to sacrifice the clones and she doesn't have anything romantic with rex but they have a nice back and forth throughout this season rex is very protective almost like a father you know she's actually older than him uh, even though she looks way younger than him in the clone wars because they're growing in a vet and they age more quickly and whatever you know, she's technically in command. Look at this thing. This is so beautiful. You know, I almost wish the Empire wasn't in this. The episodes are so short. They could have had Callus and company come at the end. It would have been a nice surprise. But, you know, these TV shows always feel like they have to have a B storyline with the bad guys following up on the good guys. Whatever. So this is it. So... Another reason two is super, season two is superior. Well, let's focus on this. Right. You weren't there. You weren't born. As we're saying, we should trust Ahsoka. Kanan can't even vocalize this. He's so mad. Now, now he's starting to tell him, is that the end of the war? Our fellow soldiers, the clones. Right. Fought by, so we fought side by side and suddenly turned betrayed us. This is Order 66. Ezra hasn't heard this full story. Kill my master, Depa Palaba. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she's in one of those scenes where they just gun the Jedi down and they're just, we don't see them very long, like the blue lady. Here we go. Yep. Wolf, Gregor, and I, this is Rex talking, remove the control chips. I don't. Yeah, we never see it. Cody, of course, obeys the order, like I mentioned, but Rex pulls the chip out. Kanan's starting to digest it. <laughs> right, Ezra's already trusting Rex. But the only reason is, A, Ezra does have a good sense of people. Well, we know Ezra can read animals better than Kanan. It's very... Uh-oh, there's the Imperial droid in the distance. <clears throat> Hoth style. There it is. These guys always look great. Another thing that looks straight from the movies, totally practical even though it's CGI, let's say, uh, this is great. They're using Zeb as bait for these giant creatures they eat. They need like one a year. They're desperate for one of these giant sandworms <laughs> and they've convinced Zeb, they put Zeb on a leash. And again, I'm watching this for the first time and they're going to sacrifice Zeb for some possible food that'll probably kill him because they're attracted to, uh, 
to his species and then one of them sells them out to the empire and you're going we can't trust anybody but rex they come around eventually so not only does Kanan have to learn to trust these guys period but he has to learn to trust two out of the three that aren't rex that are actively trying to get them killed there's a major lesson for Kanan. i was going to say Kanan being you know again indirectly informally trained by ahsoka gentle nudges and shoves and suggestions and win some orders uh you know this is the training of Kanan season and they definitely jump back hardcore to the training of ezra in in season three although Kanan's dealing with his blindness and you know how to deal with a much more powerful he's the bait hunter bait same thing they called them the hunter to make him feel like good about it I mean, you need to give Kanan, because they explained they took the chips out and didn't kill any Jedi, you need to give Kanan another reason to hate and distrust them. It's all part of the test. I don't know if Ahsoka foresaw all this happening. Rex is the one she trusts, and I guess Ahsoka somewhat naively trusts anyone that Rex trusts. Rex has to eat crow and yell at his guys and they never betray again. And for the most part, we don't see the guys until the final battle other than Rex who becomes very important in helping them. And actually Kanan and Rex, uh, have some upcoming, uh, episodes together where they have to grudgingly learn to like each other. And they eventually become tight buddies and great fighting partners. Nothing like a firefight against the common enemy. But this is actually team building here, even though they brought this on themselves and poor Zeb. You know, this is team building. I mean, Kanan is doing everything possible to just not murder these guys, honestly. And, and again, between Order 66 and the sloppiness of the clones here with his friends, it's hard to, bl- uh, uh, to, bl- it's hard to blame him. It's hard to blame him. Rex is trying to get him out of this. This is just great world building, and the, the the walker itself, the giant walking tank on its own, is worth it. So this is an example of how to do a standalone episode right, especially because it serves the larger story of Ahsoka's role, Kanan's development, Ezra's development. Oh, I was going to say... Ezra can read animals, but I also think Ezra, just because of his high empathy factor and the fact that uh, from a pure, uh, you know, uh, force potential standpoint, they already know he's going to be more powerful probably than Kanan if he survives his recklessness and, you know, uh, almost irrational bravery. Um, They're working together. But he also has a good feeling about people. I think he can read into people. And Kanan probably could read that they mostly have good intentions, at least Rex, but he's not opening himself up to it because he can't believe, even after Rex's explanation and in this display of idiocy, uh, that he can trust them. But sometimes you have to trust people that you have no good reason to trust, that historically you should not trust, and they keep giving you reasons to continually distrust, be suspicious, and even want to kill them or just get them out of your life. And yet, for the greater good, mostly to please Ahsoka, although Rex becomes a major military asset, like a major military asset to them. Uh, there it is. Um, you know, this does great world building, but also pushing the story forward in ways that 
not only don't you realize till later with Rex's role and Kanan's development, but not until you see the Clone Wars does it really come into view. The monster looks amazing. You know, I've talked about how J.J. Abrams in both Star Trek and Star Wars, and the I, the poor gullet's okay, uh, but the, 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 these slimy creatures uh, that aren't either huge or tiny and cute, they've had some trouble with in the new Star Wars movies. Here's Zeb. Oh, no. Yeah. They're all celebrating, even though they caused the whole thing. You know, we had it under control the whole time. He almost got my friend eaten. But I think he compliments Zeb here, and it stokes his ego. Look at you. All right. He says it's the biggest catch ever. Zeb. I did it? Yeah. It was the bad Kanan. Oh, God, I love Zeb. Zeb's my favorite. Zeb's my favorite. I mean, look, I love... Let me just run through... Right, this is going to go to shit in a second with with Callus coming with the Empire. However, uh, this giant slug... So... I love Hera because she's the leader and she's Princess Leia. I love Ezra because he's the least annoying and most interesting Padawan. Has the best Padawan master relationship with Kanan, who's just one of the best Star Wars characters ever, being the Han Solo, Obi-Wan, you know, cowboy Jedi fusion. I love Sabine because she's sexy and badass and clever and witty and funny and wise beyond her years and has an increasingly interesting backstory with the Mandalorians. I love Chopper because he's murderous and seemingly unreliable and they save billions of lives this is the right right order 66 was against their will and before that they helped protect the republic even though it was a manufactured war but specifically they helped Hera's planet they helped you know take back mandalore which we're gonna see in the siege of mandalore we're gonna see rex and ahsoka man take down you know uh, Outside the purview of the Jedi Order, Ahsoka and Rex are going to take down Maul and reclaim Mandalore. It's going to be great. It's going to tie all this together. And we're finally going to get the fusion of uh, the upgraded technology and storytelling of Rebels in a 12-episode arc of all Ahsoka leading the way with Anakin. Maybe not even. Maybe mostly Ahsoka in the Siege of Mandalore, which I've been by the way predicting for an extremely long time here's the bonding with rex yeah he had a good feeling about rex i still think this is mostly informed by ahsoka <laughs> i don't think he likes me Kanan's listening to this nope he will like you rex don't worry i can't say blame him yeah that's the thing if it was just rex this wouldn't be a problem but these other two idiots are, are making it impossible to trust them in this episode and that's part of why uh, you know, they don't decommission them, but they send them to other parts of the battle because, you know, they need the best one, the leader, and that's Rex. Yeah, Kanan. Ezra keeps guilt-tripping Kanan by just being honest and, and empathi- empathic and empathetic. Yeah, Sabine figures out what's going on. She's such a smarty pants. Thing is, I, I told you I immediately researched Tia Sarkar and was blown away by her stunning, gorgeous beauty, charisma, and adorab- adorableness. 
but when I'm listening to Sabine, because of the facial gestures and just her, her personality is very different from Tia's. You know, even Freddie Prince with Kanan, I, I never am thinking about the voice actors for the most part. Now, when you meet Vanessa Marshall, who plays, uh, who plays uh, um, Hera, you learn that she and Freddie are by far the biggest Star Wars nerds coming into this. Vanessa Marshall, in particular, is like a deep dive hyper nerd who knows everything about everything. She cries at all the movies. She goes on all the podcasts, even the idiot male podcasts. Her father was a pilot, so she knows all the Star Trek lingo. She knows the piloting lingo. She's just the perfect character. You know, Leia Leia was a good flyer when she had to be, but Hera has a lot of Leia's qualities while being more focused on flying. And you know, anything having to do with Princess Leia, I love... And to wrap it all around, I love Zeb because he's so dependable. He has a great arc of growth throughout, but he remains a little mischievous, a little dumb, a little hard-headed. Here we go. Here's why you need Rex right here. Yep, that's it. That sells it. That sells it. We need this guy. Yeah. They're all impressed. Zeb's impressed. Sabine is the one you really want to impress with the shot. A little nod from Kanan. Nope. He still walks away. They still have an episode to uh, have to get buddy-buddy. But that's why, that's why they need Rex, and that's what Ahsoka knew. They need allies. And sometimes it's a single person, you know? There's three guys here, but Rex is the one they need. Empire's on its way. Oh, this is a double episode! Oh, shit. Alright, to be continued. I love it. Another double episode. Alright, guys, I have no choice. It's so late here, I don't even want to tell you. Uh, so we're gonna ju- we're gonna jump into uh, the second part of this episode called "Relics of the Old Republic," which certainly uh, describes what's going on. Um, is that the one where they battled the old droids, or is it just no? It's just a continuation of this whole thing. So, thanks for joining me. I'm gonna just jump right into the other one, um, and uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to keep this recording going and I'll explain in the intro since it's a two-parter. So, pause if you need to. I'm going to count uh, directly into uh, episode three or four, depending on how you want to count it. Relics of the Old Republic. Um, so, pause if you need to. And I'm just going to do the direct countdown and keep this going. So, come back when you're ready. All right. So, here we go on the countdown for Relics of the Old Republic. And three, two, one, go. All right, folks. Part two, the conclusion to the Lost Commanders with these idiot clones. And the, the hapless situation here, the tension, teamwork coming apart, with Imperials on their way, trying to figure out how to work together. Ahsoka must have known that shit was going to go to shit if you will to a certain degree i don't know if she foresaw all of this but certainly a lesson for kanan having to work together with rex giving him that stern look 
Uh, this is episode three or four, depending on how you want to count it. It is called Relics of the Old Republic, and it is going to be fun. And part I always forget that the slow-paced world building and character building of uh, Lost Commanders then leads into a much more action-packed, uh, you know, uh, t- second part of a two-part story here. And this is where we really, even though the, the, one of the clones caused this, now they have a chance to, you know, really show their mettle, improve their loyalty, even though they fucked up. So, I will mention, there was like six months between the initial uh, pilot in like April at Celebration, June to the main public, but not till October where they these episodes started. Man, that must have been painful. So, I haven't seen this in a while. I always remember the first one because, you know, the walker and the monster and the, the conflict and tension and Ahsoka. And so, we will see where this one goes. Here come the TIE Fighters. You know this isn't going to be a good situation. Now, the following episode uh, is... Um, Always two there are. I believe they run into... Oh, the... Brothers of the Broken Horn. Uh, well, whatever. We'll get to those episodes. We'll focus on this one for now. Callus. This guy's doing a horrible job of lying. Callus knows how to see right through this. He's going, no, no, this was just a big mistake, you know. There's no Jedi. It was all just me being stupid. This is a pathetic, pathetic attempt, but I got to give him credit for trying. Yeah, that's the thing. Even though clones are clones, even more slaves than stormtroopers, I won't compare them to the First Order, but they're better fighters, even though they age quickly. They have better armor. They have more pride in what they're doing. And it really says a lot that stormtroopers, whether they're forced into service or join the Empire willingly, the clones always have a better sense of loyalty. They're better fighters. They're more fierce. They have better armor, which they're always talking about, even though they're a little chub and and their armor's a little tight. Ezra's on top of everything. You know, ever since Ezra f- fucked up by trusting Galtravis, he has a m- he has a pretty straight sense of who to trust from here on out. And while it seems Maul is at the end of the season manipulating him, Ezra kind of has it under control, in my opinion. We'll get to it. So here's straight fighting. <laughs> Zeb's not even looking; he's just shooting the machine gun. Uh, this is great. So eventually they have to abandon this. They abandon the food and they join the rebellion. That's what happens. You have to survive the incursions and then join the bigger cause. Kind of like you guys. Yeah. 
Here we go. Here comes the teamwork by necessity. I think Ahsoka saw this. Man, the TIE Fighter's coming right on in. You know, one of the complaints of Force Awakens was almost all the good fighting was on the ground, whether it was the initial attack on Jakku, Maz's planet, all that stuff is absolutely glorious. I might have to watch Force Awakens just to settle down. I find Force Awakens to be a pretty relaxing movie for the most part. As dark as it is, that's just a J.J. Abrams style. And, you know, just really quickly, I want to mention that between the reintroduction of the Clone Wars for mostly adults, which would be very dark, Siege of Mandalore, Star Wars Resistance, which I'm excited about just because I want to see Poe and Leia before Episode 7, even though it's for kids, I'm going to love it, especially with the anime style and Poe and Leia, and then the Favreau series, the Game of Thrones level, post-Return of the Jedi, Mandalore, please cast Tia Surkar, please have Ahsoka. I mean, look, the bottom line is Marvel has struggled since the beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the introduction of Netflix. Whatever you think of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and so forth, the connections, because the Marvel TV and Marvel Studios are so disconnected, you know, it doesn't feel almost in the same universe other than occasional mentions. It's mostly a 50-50 split yeah, he's talking about Tras Kanan's cold, f- cold uh, facade is breaking further. No one's openly guilting him, but he's just overhearing these conversations and how real and honest they are. And Ezra is always the one. Like I said, w- when Kanan goes off the reservation, uh, in reasonably handleable situations, Ezra does a great job of bringing him back. It's only when Kanan, like, really ignores Ezra that and Ezra starts getting powerful at the beginning of Season 3. But we will get there. Here come the walkers. This is awesome because this is the first time we've seen the good guys have a tank that can actually challenge with a little bit of creativity. The ATATs, I believe they call they cause a dust storm and circle around. And as I mentioned, like the tanks, the ATATs shoot forward. The Empire always expects to dominate, go head on on the enemy, and just shoot, 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 shoot. But if you can get around them and cause confusion, you can actually do some stuff. I thought you clones loved to fight. Yeah, I do love to battle, but on my own terms. That's the thing. I mean, Kanan didn't fight enough in his time with Deva Palaba to really learn tactics, war tactics. Another reason they need Rex, and Rex becomes one of their main strategists. These other guys are pure muscle. And, you know, the fact that Cody and Rex stood out from the rest as commanders. Here's the great Mutton Chops helmet from Kalis. He's so sexy. Everyone admits it. Here we go. The lasers uh, just from Hoth, baby. Right now it's survival, and Kanan has to put aside his misgivings, to say the least, to save his friends. Yep, Sabine is right on it about causing the storm in the scanners. She's so smart. She's so smart. Now, one thing about Sabine is she's actually not a great pilot. She's a great shot in the ships. She's a very great shot in acrobatic outside the ships, but this dust storm causes all sorts of problems for the AT. 
Yeah, he's blaming them. This is, you know, it's almost against Callus's character. The thing is, if the Imperials were like 10% more patient with their subordinates, they'd get better results. I guess when you have guys like General Veers, who just absolutely massacre and tear apart Hoth with his confidence and sheer power, you know, it, you maybe expect more from these guys. But it just shows that Callus is a it, relatively weak commander compared to guys like Veers. Veers is one of the only guys in the original trilogy who's so confident and so capable that there's no chance he's going to get choked out or, you know, sidelined. Impervious to blasters. Yeah, you think the legs are the weak point. And we've seen Rogue One that they can take out the legs with bigger ships. But with what they got, the neck seems to be the way to go. I mean, look. Kalos' character is very smart in certain situations and moronic and others it's usually when he doesn't have a handle but he's not trying to lose his you know commands commanding presence that he overcompensates with machismo oh yeah here comes the jedi baby seeing through the storm i always trust my general kanan <laughs> this is great this is great kanan's so powerful the thing is, as untrained as they are and on the fringes, it makes total sense that Kanan and Ezra, for their own reasons, would be super powerful. It can be a weakness, it can occasionally be their undoing, but necessity is the mother of invention, and that's what we're seeing here. And the thing is, as tense and fun as this whole military, uh, you know, uh, hijinks is, it really makes you appreciate the chiller tone of the previous episode. But it also, you know, reflects the steps that they're making. And I want to keep, it's so late here, I want to keep going because I want to at least get to the part where Kanan and uh, Rex start trusting each other i don't know when that happens yeah it's the next episode always two there are which i'm definitely gonna do clone what's our next move clone I mean, callous, other than being sexy and occasionally perceptive and thinking ahead, really does not become a likable character until the Zeb (laughs) accidental conversion. One Jedi on the cannon and another... Yeah. Oh, God. So, you know... you guys probably know I'm a major X-Men guy. As much as I love Cap Thor, Iron Man, and the Avengers, Avengers throughout history and as is portrayed in the movies are a team-up matter of convenience of people who sometimes get along and sometimes work together well, but they're mostly solo characters that come together to save the world. The X-Men, because they're all mutants and they need to band together, are not just a permanent team, but a family. And... 
you know, the X-Men, they're so powerful and their powers are so different that the fun part is using their powers together. Now, we get it with, like, Thor sharing his hammer and Cap Shield and blah, 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 blah with the Avengers. But, like, for example, one of the most memorable parts of X2, which is maybe the best X-Men movie is that Storm and Jean Grey are leading and on top of everything, and Storm's weather powers combined with Jean's telepathy uh, is an absolutely lethal, you know, extremely effective combination of powers. It's always great to see how the X-Men work together. Now, Wolverine is just a killing machine, but for the most part, the X-Men thrive when their powers are together, and they keep finding new ways for the Jedi, Ezra, and Kanan to work together. You know, they normally need at least two Jedi. It would be helpful if Ahsoka was here. Yeah, Ezra takes the helmet off to help focus. Um, and you know, I can't wait until they go back to the Jedi temple. So the question is, when do they go back to the Jedi temple? Hondo's coming up soon. Wings of the Masters, a new Starfighter. That's a great, uh, Hera episode. The Blood Sisters, uh, brings in Ketsu, who's great with Gina Torres, Stealth Strike. Um, oh, that's the backstory to Sabine. The Future of the Force, uh, I believe. Oh, that's where they're saving uh, with Ahsoka, the babies who are trying to be taken by the Empire. A Legacy. Um, they head back uh, to Lothal. Princess on Lothal. God bless. I can't wait to do Carrie Fisher. I might jump around to some of the episodes. I mean, I'm going to do all of them. Protector of Concord. Protector of Concord. Dawn, you know, is it, uh, another Sabine backstory. Legends of the Little Size. An amazing mystical episode where uh, Zeb has to deal with his past. And then we have the call. Uh, about the Pur- Pergil homecoming. We get to the Sindula's planet. We learn about that. The Honorable Ones is the Zeb Callus episode where he starts turning him, which is maybe my favorite episode. Shroud of Darkness is when they go back to the temple, but that's not till episode 18. So we got a way to get Major Ahsoka, but that is totally cool. Right, we're soldiers, Ezra. And the thing is, Ezra's lack of bias against the fucking clones, you know, actually attracts him to them because they're so real and honest and he finds it so noble that they took the chips out of their head and recognized, you know, how to stay loyal to Ahsoka. You know, Ezra's always already in love with Ahsoka. I mean, they never try and push that he's romantically in love with her, but he has a total Jedi crush on her. And if if Ahsoka trusts someone, then he trusts them. And Kanan has to follow along. Here we go. They're going down in a suicidal fight. And eventually, I think Kanan has to convince them to get the fuck out of here. Get out, guys. You're not going to beat them. This episode feels super long, right? There's the Phantom, a great shuttle, right? They won't give up. Their fight is going to be their last. This is when Kanan's heart truly opens. 
these guys know they fucked up and so they're going to sacrifice so that ghost crew can get out. It's just a scratch. Tis but a flesh wound. Going for the legs. Oh, yeah, right in there, baby. Lost their minds. What else are they going to do? Excuse me, dumb callus. Oh, I might have hiccups. All right, so I seem to have uh, managed to quell the hiccups. Uh... So, this is a great battle, so I'm going to talk about a few things. One is, the disappointing part is I always think there's eight Ahsoka episodes. Uh, The lost, you know, obviously, Fire Across the Galaxy is introduced. The Siege of Lothal, she's big. Lost Commanders in this episode. Barely Ahsoka. Future of the Force, Shroud of Darkness, Chopper Base, and then Twilight of the Apprentice. So... It's more like six or sec. I hate it when he's right. Yeah, I got my problems with clones, but I don't want these men to die. Look at Ezra. He's so proud of his master. Uh, Really, the only disconnect is when Ezra gets super powerful, has too much responsibility at the beginning of season three, but it doesn't last long. And it's a great character study of both him and Kanan. They're ready to die right now. Boom, 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 boom. Phantom coming back. I mean, this is the thing. These are the perfect allies. Oh, yeah, the double lightsaber, baby. Just like the old days, he wants to serve Kanan. This is the problem. He wants Kanan to be his commander or general. And Kanan doesn't want it. And eventually they just decide to be, you know, partners in arms, to be brothers in arms. You know, the thing is, the clones never loved, uh, they never stopped loving serving the Jedi, but they were programmed for Order 66, so these guys are just as loyal as ever, and oh, the Siege of Mandalore, goddammit, I can't wait to do Clone Wars commentaries with Simi, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-boom, right in the neck, evacuate, evacuate, and the moment of triumph! And what's great is Ahsoka knows they learned their lesson at the end of this, but she doesn't rub it in. I think she just has a wry smile. And I can't stress enough that (laughs) it's not just that Ahsoka indirectly is training Kanan. She's never condescending. She never does direct training. And it's more effective. Ahsoka learned great things from Obi-Wan and Anakin. Oh, they're saluting. Is he going to salute back? He nods. They're getting there. They're getting there. Oh, we're doing the next episode, baby. I'm staying up all night if I got to. There's Chopper (laughs) waving. (laughs) Did it do shit? Um, man. Um, you know. But she learned from Anakin and Obi-Wan that... Oh, here's a new Inquisitor. Okay, so the... As much as I love the Grand Inquisitor in the first season, the new Inquisitors, design-wise, make more sense, are cooler looking, and it's great for them that they're fighting uh, together as we add more Inquisitors. I care not for your struggles. I've succeeded where you and Kalos have failed. 
The problem is none of the, these people get the end goal. All right, here's the docking. You know, the by necessity, the ship models are... Here she is. Stunning. Oh, Commander. Does she just hug him? You got old. <laughs> yeah, Devin. He's the one that got really old. Oh. She loves them. The betrayal was so hard on her because she was already left the Jedi Order and she really loved these guys. Yeah. And this is teaching Kanan a lesson, again, without rubbing it in. Thank you for trusting my friend. That's all she needs to say. Yeah, it wasn't easy. It's still not. Nothing worth doing ever is. Ah. I think, yeah, Simi was hesitant at first to revisit Clone Wars, but as soon as he got to, like, season two, he was like, we have to do every single episode of Clone Wars. I immediately dispelled that possibility and was like, look, let's pick the best two or three arcs and stick with that, along with some standalone Ahsoka episodes, and just because he loves fucking Ahsoka. And, you know, Simi takes the normal approach of, you know, his waifu, if you want to call it that, is definitely older Ahsoka. Uh, but he certainly can appreciate the greatness of younger Ahsoka. So I hope you enjoyed that double episode. It was so good. I'm going to put this together, give it a listen. And if I can still stay up, maybe with some coffee, I'm definitely want to get at least one more uh, episode in always two there are <clears throat> where uh, excuse me <coughs> where Rex uh, you know in, in, in Canaan really have to start to come together so thank you as always may the force be with you and the bizzle is out